evangelism. Tony Miano defines it this way. Evangelism is the announcement, proclamation, and or sharing of the gospel, the good news of and about Jesus Christ. The English word evangelism comes from the Greek word euangelion, most literally translated in a noun form, it means gospel or good news. In the verb form, the meaning of the word changes slightly to announce or bring good news. The Greek word in its various forms appears 55 times in the New Testament. Luke tells us that the angels evangelized. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Luke also tells us that John the Baptist evangelized. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Luke also tells us Jesus evangelized, but Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus also sent out his disciples to evangelize. When Jesus called the twelve together, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. We know Paul evangelized. Paul said, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. And Paul was relatively clear that we should all evangelize as well. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And of course, Jesus commissions all of us to evangelize. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, how are we doing with that? Why don't we go around the room this morning and we'll just tell each other last time we shared the gospel with someone. We'll start with you, Caleb, okay? And we're just going to go this way. I'm kidding, Caleb. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, that's why you didn't know I was talking about because I'm calling you your brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> Caleb served me yesterday at Dunkin' Donuts. Sorry, Jacob. We'll start with you. Just kidding. It's such a challenging idea, isn't it? Sharing our faith with others, telling people about Jesus Christ, and I get it. I get it. And I think there are many reasons for it. I think these are some of the big reasons. We have this preconceived idea of what evangelism is. And a lot of this preconception is mostly informed by teachings that make us think the only way to evangelize is the way some of these guys in the skit did. Wearing the t-shirts. <clears throat> excuse me, passing out tracts, standing on street corners with a bullhorn and telling people that they're going to hell, etc., etc. Another reason I don't think, I think it's challenging, this idea of evangelizing, is we ourselves don't necessarily identify with all of contemporary Christianity, and so we, we are afraid that people will make judgments about who we are, and they'll jump to conclusions that maybe we're one of those people you know, whatever those people is that we don't want to be associated with. You know, Christianity means so many different things, and you start telling people, well, I believe in Jesus Christ, they look at you, oh, you're one of those people. You pick at funerals, you're one of those, you know, whatever it is, those people that we don't want to be associated with. I think another big one is we confuse evangelizing with proselytizing. 
and we don't want to proselytize, so we don't evangelize. But those are two very different terms. Jesus Christ never proselytized. The apostles were very clear. Don't, apost don't proselytize. They were very clear. Listen, those people do not need to live the way we do. Why don't we just tell them a few things and then let them figure it out from there? Two different things. Another thing is I think we're afraid we won't know all the answers to the questions people might ask. I hear that a lot. I can't share my faith because someone might ask me a question I don't know the answer to. And another one is evangelism has often been presented to some of us, depending on what denomination we've been brought up in, that it's something we have to do if we're going to be good Christians, as though it's like all about us. And something about these things don't sit right with us, understandably. So we don't do it at all. We don't do any sharing. But maybe evangelism isn't any of those things, really. And maybe if we could reimagine what it is, we would find it to be very natural and not at all something that we should be avoiding. In our text today, which for those of you who are visiting, we're in the middle of a long study in Corinthians, and we are right now um, in this homily of Paul's, Gifts in the Nature of the Body. We, we studied it last week, and we're going to finish it up today. And in this, I think Paul speaks to evangelism. And the first thing that becomes so clear for Paul is that evangelism is sacred intimacy. It is not profane disconnect. And I think this is a reality that has been lost on many contemporary Christians. See, notice as Paul wraps up his extended metaphor of the human body, he includes the genitalia, the reproductive organs. No much... No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts we have greater modesty for, and we cover them up. One of the many and important functions of the body of Christ is to reproduce itself. Paul's use of this imagery, I believe, speaks to his understanding of evangelism. It is to be intimate, not disconnected. It is to be sacred, not profane. Now, I want to make a side note. We explored last week this passage in some detail. Okay, if you weren't here, I'm sorry. But, and one of the things we talked about is that we are all one body. And we are meant to be caring for each other, using the many different gifts Paul gave us to benefit the whole. And, and hopefully that became clear again as Kevin read our text this morning. That is the purpose of Paul writing this homily. That was his main point. His point was, listen, we're all part of the whole and we should be serving each other. And all the gifts God gives us are to be used to benefit the whole, not ourselves. So please, I am not suggesting in any way today, we spent a lot of time talking about context. And, and I don't want anyone thinking, well, David, you just broke all your own rules that you've been teaching us for the last year and a half. No, I'm not suggesting today that Paul wrote this passage primarily to teach us about evangelism at all. I just find it fascinating that Paul extended this body metaphor to include such details of the reproductive organs. He had already made his point. The, the metaphor was, was brilliant and extended and long, but why go so far to include the reproductive organs? I think it's because 
it is a valid jumping off point for us to discuss evangelism, the reproduction of the body of Christ. As Bailey points out, if the body cannot reproduce, it will die, and what it represents will be irretrievably lost. Oh, there's a metaphor, sorry. If the body cannot reproduce, it will die, and what it represents will be irretrievably lost. So it is with the church. So, this morning, this morning, I want to consider evangelism in light of this extended <coughs> metaphor, in light of this reproductive metaphor, at its purest and most sacred. I am well aware that human sexuality can often be expressed in ways that are not sacred at all and not pure. But at its purest and most sacred, let's explore this and see if it can help us better come to terms of sharing our faith with people. And the very first and most obvious truth is that our reason for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is love. The unconditional, sacrificial concern for others' well-being. Or as Paul writes, seek not your own good, but the good of your neighbor. You know, this is our 44th week in Corinthians. And we still have a few more weeks to go because we have a few chapters. And I really hope that after you've forgotten everything I've ever said on Corinthians, that we all remember this one verse. I really hope this sticks in our head. I am convinced if more Christians simply chose to live this way, that thing that Jesus said for us to pray for, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, would really go a long way to being fulfilled. Bailey writes, Evangelism must always be motivated by love. Its purpose is to demonstrate the deepest forms of love to people in their brokenness and to make it possible for the lost to be found and for the wounded to find healing. Evangelism is not to be about power. It's not to be about selfish desire to increase the population of the local congregation in membership in the local congregation. It's not to be about us winning some eternal rewards because we have the most notches on the binders of our Bibles. It's not what evangelism is about. You know, when I was a young man, I went to evangelism conferences. I read books on evangelism. I was part of study groups on it. I listened to people teach on it. And it seemed that the main overriding theme was evangelism was about how many people we could lead to Christ. As though it was about us. And about some game and about some power and about some selfish desire. Evangelism, sharing our faith, is to be about the other for the other. We have experienced something that has changed our lives, or is changing our lives. Something that gives us hope in hopeless situations. I had the great privilege of doing an internment service yesterday for a friend's mom of some of ours, and people there had hope. It's hopeless when you're burying a loved one. But I think our faith in Christ gives us hope. We've experienced that. And in this world, everyone knows the hopelessness of a loved one dying. But we have hope. We experience purpose when we're wandering aimlessly. We have a sense of the eternity in every day. 
and we'd want to share that with others we love. That's all. Evangelism must be motivated by love. This is another reason Paul was always talking about reorienting our lives toward love. To people who love deeply. Paul is telling us throughout 1 Corinthians, and in this homily, let the Holy Spirit transform you into people who love. Because as we learn to love others authentically, we will be more and more compelled by this love for them to share with them this good news of what is changing our lives. If you have someone you love that is hopeless, don't you want to somehow share with them hope? At least your hope? Now, I want to make an observation. Some people argue against evangelism because they say we shouldn't be telling people what we think is good for them. But don't, don't we do that in other areas of our lives all the time? All the time. Oh, you got to see this movie. I was telling everyone to watch Derek. Told Jen, wrote a long email, watch it now, she watched it. you got to read this book. I'm on this great diet, you got to do it. Whenever someone's going through a clean-out, right, you always hear from them, oh, I'm doing this great body cleansing, you got to join me. I'll tell anybody about garlic. <laughs> garlic is like the great prophylactic against all disease. And yes, I chose that word carefully because <laughs> Our English teacher, I always like to impress him. I'm not going to live to be 130. The doctors are going to cut me open and go, he's a garlic clove, no wonder he didn't get some. Now, if I die next week, it's not because of garlic. <laughs> Do not blame garlic. Keep eating it. See, we tell others all the time what we think is good for them. Maybe just not this one thing that might actually be good for them. Now, the next thing we learn from this metaphor is evangelism happens in deep personal relations. Deep personal relations. It is only in the safety of profound trust that has been developed between two people in relationship that we find the freedom to share the most inner and important details of our life. Our own relationship with God. <coughs> our own thoughts on the mystery of redemption and faith and the living out of our faith. Surely these are among the most important and inner details of our life, aren't they? These can only be most honestly communicated in the context of deep relationships. Likewise, listening and hearing such personal confessions only happens within the safety of true relationship. The closer we are to someone, we're more likely to listen to them, right? Tell us their whatever they want to tell us. Bullhorns and bumper stickers and forced conversations with strangers do not really allow for this kind of intimate and intentional sharing. And I want to make a couple side notes and, and another observation. One side note is, you know, this deep personal relationship suggests that maybe if we think sharing our faith is only about sharing our faith with people that don't have faith, I think that's a misnomer. The gospel's for all of us, all the time. That's why we talk about it here all the time. I know most of you love the Lord and consider yourself followers of Christ, but I'm not going to stop telling you the gospel, and I don't want you to stop telling me the gospel. The gospel's so big. It's a mystery that we all need to hear over and over and over again. Let's tell each other and share our faith with each other. Another 
Side note, you know, I'm not talking here today about when strangers or acquaintances ask us about our faith. You guys know that. I'm not saying, oh, well, I can't tell you. We're not close enough. That's not what I mean. You know that. But I think evangelism happens in deep personal relation. Now, let me make an observation, however, and a confession. We love to criticize the bullhorn thing. I personally am incredibly critical of it. That's why I picked that skit. I, thought, I, I was dying on that skit. I thought that skit was right. <clears throat> and we love to talk about how the bullhorn, you know the bullhorn guy, he's the, if you ever go to Fenway Park, he's always there. The bullhorn guy, he's got the placard, the, the, placard, the sandwich board, and, and he's handing out, and he's telling people they're going to hell. And he's, hey, listen, I'm the first one to criticize it. And we all like to criticize it. We all say it's so out of touch and it's so wrong. But actually, and yes, I can't believe I'm about to do this, defend the bullhorn guy. It's very cultural, and we all participate in it all the time, just in other areas of our lives. See, the bullhorn guy, is just doing in his own little way what we do all the time. Our culture is all about telling everyone what we think they need to know. And if you doubt me, just think Facebook. The bullhorn guy goes to the corner of a city street. Facebook is the corner of the World Wide Web, where we tell people, everyone who will read it, what we think they need to know. Even if it is as mundane as, I went to the store this morning, and got an everything bagel with vegetable cream cheese, and it was wonderful. Hashtag, I'm very bored at home and I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just did that. I go into Twitter and Facebook. Twitter, yes. Twitter, Twitter, whatever it's called. Stop. And you know what? If someone posted something like that this morning, I am very sorry. <laughs> someone might have. I'm very sorry. And I'm not doing it to criticize anybody. I'm just simply making my point is that we can't criticize the bullhorn evangelist because maybe we don't bullhorn Jesus, we bullhorn everything else. My nephew, I just found out, has, what, 22,000 followers on Twitter? What is that about? What? Why? He's a photographer and he's a graphic designer and he's got a beard that like is, is going to put him in the World record book some we have to edit this out. <laughs> my sister listens to this. I just thought of that. I shouldn't be talking about my nephew. <laughs> Twenty-two thousand followers. I love the kid, but this is what we do, people. In advertising and marketing, it makes the world go round. The bullhorn guy is just functioning with a much smaller budget. So well, I think it is fair to argue against it for evangelist, for evangelism reasons. It is not fair to dismiss it as crazy and out of touch or something we would never do. We're doing it all the time. Now, another thing I think we can learn from this metaphor is evangelism is meant to be respectful, tender, and understanding. It's not a game. Bailey writes, there must be no manipulation scare tactics, or intellectual, or spiritual, or emotional violence. 
Sharing the good news is simply that. Sharing, honestly, about our experience with Jesus Christ. This is why we need not worry about having all the answers before our, we share our faith. There are no answers. There is only testimony. Testimony about what we know. It's like that blind man that Jesus made to see again. And the Pharisees were badgering him with questions and questions. And finally he said, listen, all I know is I was blind and now I see. That's all I know. All I know is I used to hate my neighbor and now for some reason I like him. All I know is I used to be scared to death of dying and now I'm not. All I know We sang that song, that great old hymn this morning. But this I know with all my heart. You know, I can't explain why Jesus dying on the cross saves me, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Scare tactics, manipulation, violence. These are all things caused by thinking evangelism is arguing people into the kingdom. No, we are called to love people into the kingdom. Do you not know, Paul says, that the kindness of God leads to repentance? The kindness of God leads to repentance. We share so people might change their minds about God. Changing the mind, that's all repentance means, changing the mind. If God creates that with kindness, we should too, I think. We should too. And this metaphor also teaches us evangelism is about long-term commitment. In committed long-term relationships, we eventually get to know all about each other. And all those things we're sometimes afraid of, being mistaken for a certain kind of person, etc., etc., that goes away in relationship. People learn who we truly are. They are open to learning why we believe what we do, think what we do. There is opportunity, there is opportunity to share the good news in long-term relationships, free from the constraints of misunderstanding. And further, we get to know people better and better understand what it is that they want to know, what it is that they need to know and how best to share deeply with them. And furthermore, this is the only way to be in real relationship. One night stands only hurt people. If we're going to invite someone into a way of life, it is only right that we remain committed to them and journey with them. So, so in the end, evangelism is simply sharing life with the people around us. Real, authentic, deep, even at times messy life. And as part of the body of Christ, we're part of a body, Christ's body, that loves the world. Right? God so loved the world, he died for it. We're part of that body. I think we should all be out there then sharing our faith, sharing life. It's our commission after all.
And you know what I love about this commission? When you read it carefully, carefully, it should be enough to encourage all of us to evangelize more. Because look what Luke writes. This has been such a help to me over the years. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love that. I love that Luke included that detail. Because even to those who doubted, Jesus said, Hey, go and make disciples of all nations. Luke knew, Jesus knew, doubt and faith often go together. Sharing our faith is not about being perfect. It's not about being eloquent. It's not about programs. It's not about having all the answers. It's simply about being human and loving other humans. Might God help us all. Amen.